Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to invite you to our private Facebook group. All you got to do is head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders in your search bar. We have a powerful community over there of people who are going against the grain and making an impact in this world in their own unique way. We would love to have you a part. Again, that is unconventional leaders over on Facebook. I feel like I've lived so much of my life with people telling me that I won't be able to get what I want, do what I want. And for me, it has the opposite effect. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show you. Yeah. I'm going to show you. Yeah. Because I'm going to do what I want. And then I'm going to go in front of you and I'm going to go, hold you so. I've always felt immensely. I was born with several palsies. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Everything that never quite fit in growing up is what gives me an advantage as an adult. That comes from today's guest, Esty Rand. And if this is your first time listening, what is up? How you doing? How you doing? My name is Heather Parody. I am your host and I love, I love this conversation. We're going to be talking about why your uniqueness, your unconventionalness, is that a word? Is actually such an awesome advantage if you're wanting to market your services, put yourselves out there. Now listen, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this show. We have a lot of artists who listen to this show. We have people in entertainment who listen to this show and marketing is a part of the game because you got to put yourself out there and get people's attention. Like our guest today says, attention is the primary currency. And so sometimes we feel like we need to kind of morph into somebody else and be someone else. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff we need to learn and step into. However, it all circles back around to not denying who you are all along, but actually embracing it, leaning into it and loving it. It's a lot easier said than done. For me, I've been really trying to lean into my quirkiness, my southernness, my hyperness, my ADD, all the things. Because you know what? That's who I am. If you go out to a Mexican restaurant, what up, Mexican restaurant? Hello, hello. Can anybody in the back testify? That is where the presence of the Lord is in that place. Okay. But if you go to a Mexican restaurant with me, chill out. Like, this is who you hang out with. I promise you. And I need to lean into that as someone who's putting their voice out there and not feel like I have to be some stuffy, you know, professional. Sorry, stuffy professionals. I hope you enjoy that. But listen, today we're going to be talking with Estee Rand, who is amazing. She built a six-figure business with zero dollars in ad spend in under two years with a fully virtual team while raising five children. Bless the Lord. She's the founder and owner of Strand Consulting, an LA-based boutique consultancy. And this marketing maven guides business owners ranging from multimillionaires to freelancers on how to earn more money with less headache. Praise him. So today we're going to be talking about how your uniqueness, the things that make you quirky can actually help you market better, help you stand out, help you serve more. Make sure you grab Estee's five-day marketing success challenge, which is completely free at estyrand.com forward slash free gift that is linked in the show notes. And if you, come here. 
Listen, listen, if you have a friend, you know that friend who needs some help. You don't have to say like, hey, I know you need some marketing help. I know you need some authenticity leaning into your brand a little bit more. Like you don't have to call them out like that. That's okay. You can just kind of slide into their DMs with this episode. Take a screenshot, share it with them. Say, just thinking of your brother, just thinking of your sister. All right, y'all, let's get into this, how being unconventional can help you market better with the SD Rand. Just for a moment, I would love to hear a little bit about when when you were a little girl. Like if you, looking back um, then, did you ever expect that uh, marketing and owning your own business would be something that you would do with your life? No, but looking back, I should have. I started my first business as a little girl. Uh, I was 10 when I ran my first what was it? profitable, like official business. I sold name bracelets, but I did it like a real business. I had order forms. I calculated my cost of goods sold. I ran efficiencies and economies of scale. Like I realized that um, when everyone was making custom orders, it was taking me longer to figure out different patterns. So I made like a preset sheet of patterns people could order and charge more for custom orders. I was 10. I had a 14-year-old already and a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. None of them did this. Where did you learn it from? Were your parents in business? Uh, so my dad kind of, he was more like a broker in the diamond trade. He's a diamond dealer. Okay. I think it is partly just inborn. Like I'm very, I'm very naturally organized. Hmm. And uh, one of my friends was selling these bracelets. I was like, I could do that. I was like money. Money was definitely always a thing. Mm-hmm. Came from more of like an abusive household. So like I knew if I was going to get anything in life, I was going to have to get it myself. Yeah. But I saw my friends selling them. I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. And I could do it better. And I did. Mm-hmm. Confidence. Were you confident back then? Or is that something you developed? Because it seems super confident. Yes. So I think I always had it at some level. That weird dichotomy. I was socially awkward. Um, I didn't skip a grade. I just went into school very young for my grade and never got left back. So mm-hmm. my, my intellect kept up, my grades kept up, no problem. Mm-hmm. They never looked me back. But socially, I was always a little bit behind, mm-hmm. always a little out of the box, a little out of the group. Like, you know, I have this theory that friends dress similarly subconsciously, right? They don't even realize. They'll, they'll meet up and be like, oh my God, like we're wearing similar outfits. And they didn't plan it. They just do, you know? And when I would go out with my friends, everyone would be wearing jeans and I'd be wearing slacks. And then I'd be like, oh, okay. Jeans, got it. And I'd go and put on my jean stuff and that day everyone would be wearing black. And I'm like, I don't know why. I am just out of sync. Now you're a marketer now. Um, how do you view being kind of out of sync a little bit different now? I mean, I think as a marketer, sometimes we feel pressure to kind of put ourselves into one little box and present our brands and our, our businesses in a certain way. Can we still kind of use some of that quirkiness and outside of the bogness like, to our advantage? Totally. To me, I think that is the primary advantage. I think Mm -hmm. that everything that I've been through, everything that I always was that, that never quite fit in growing up is what gives me my advantage as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, In marketing, especially, I think that all the in the box stuff, especially because we have a global marketplace, right? So when you have something canned, you see it everywhere. It's not like once upon a time you lived in a town, like you saw five things, you see 5,000 things every day. And when they all look the same, you don't register them at all. If you can't step out of the box, you won't get anyone's attention. And attention is the primary currency. Yeah. Now you, you start off in nonprofit, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Walk us that journey a little bit. Did you go like to college? Did you go straight into nonprofit work? How did that evolve? No. So I went to university. I graduated with a degree in marketing management. Um, it was a business degree and uh, I went straight into nonprofit because I was just this like on fire do-gooder. And I interviewed at like Bloomberg, I interviewed at some really big companies, um, but I couldn't do it. 
I was just like, I can't do this with my life. I was just like this mm. on fire, like impassioned, have to help the world, save the world. Yeah. Um, and so I got my job at Unprofit actually by choosing the nonprofit, taking the train uptown in Manhattan. I, I went to university in Midtown okay. and kind of walking in with a portfolio of, of work that I'd done and been like, hey, I want to work for you guys. Found you online. I want to work here. And um, it was a little bit of a, a couple bumps in that road, but I got hired. Really? So that was wow. my first nonprofit. Yeah. I, I actually went and, and kind of asked for that job. Their initial response was, we don't have a job for you, but if you want to fundraise your salary, you can come. I was like, nope, call me when you have money. <laughs> no joke. No joke. And so how long did you spend there and what made you decide to take the leap into your own business? So I worked there just for like a year or two. Then I moved... I lived in Jerusalem for almost 10 years, worked at a different nonprofit there. Um, and I took the leap into my own business, actually, when they hired this toxic middle manager who made my life utter misery. I loved my job. I had flex time. I was a CIO. Like Flex time in a C-level position is very unusual. Mm. Um, I had three little kids and they hired this horrible... Horrible guy. I remember my boss saying to me, Esty, you know, it's so hard to find somebody who's not egotistical, but also doesn't have low self-esteem. And I think we finally found him. And what it turned out is that, no, he was both. He was a psychopath. Um, they fired him within two years, but I quit within six months of him being there. He took my, I was managing a very small team because nonprofit, you don't have a lot of manpower. He took my team. He's like, your team is my team. You're my new secretary. I was like, mm, no, no, I'm the CIO. That, that's my team. That's how I make stuff happen Bye. here, actually. And he was like, no. And I was like, well, then I'm the new leaving person. Bye. Wow. Wow. What did you do after that? I was terrified. So I was like, I had unemployment. I had severance. I had a cushion. So my oh. first thought was, that's it. I'm done working. I have three little kids. My husband had still been studying. I was like, you're done studying. I don't care. Get a job. Figure it out. I had enough. Mm. Uh, after two weeks, I had finished every project I could possibly think of. Clean my house 16 times. I was losing mm. my mind. So I was like, mm. okay, going back to work. And I just had this dream at that time in my heart. It was 2011, beginning of the small business boom. And I would just hear everyone around me like trying to sell cupcakes and do massage therapy and sell something on Etsy. And I was like, None of you have a clue what you're doing. You know, and I would see these ads in the local weekly that were such a waste of space, waste of money. I've been running businesses from the time I was 10. I told you that was only my first business. Yeah. I ran dozens since then. Yeah. You know, always profitable. I was like, I can help these people. I can help them. I was, and again, this is 2011, right? When mm. people only hired business consultants if they had large companies. The concept mm. of small business consulting didn't exist. Mm. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't like mm. when everyone and their like, you know, little sister's dog walker is a business consultant. Like yeah. in those days, only really old people were right. Right. after they had like, you know, finished their tenure at their big five-star companies and small business owners, you'd like, you either had it or you didn't. If you needed help, you shouldn't be here. Mm. That was kind of the attitude in those days. But I still had this dream. And at one point I met this headhunter who was a former McKinsey consultant and was now doing headhunting like out of her living room, a small business owner herself. And I was like, she was like my idol. It's like, oh my God, you're the coolest person ever. Like I want to be you when I grow up, you know? And she looked at me at one point in the interview and she, she sourced me out for C-level positions, by the way. She gave me interviews. And at one point when she was interviewing me, she's like, so I see, what's the dream? What do you really want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to fight in her because, you know, she gets it and she's done yeah. this. And I told her, I want to do small business consulting. I really believe I can help. There's so many people. They're trying to recover from the recession. They can't get jobs. I really think I could help people. And I'll never forget. She looked at me. She's like, Esty, no one will take you seriously. 
Whoa. No one will hire you. Why? I would love to know. I'll never know. I'll never, I'd love to find her and they'd be like, Hey, by the way, you were wrong. Um, I, I believe she thought she was doing me a service where she was coming from, right? McKinsey consultant, 20 years in the C-suite in corporate. Like it's a different world. And here's me. I was 28. Mm -hmm. I was like this little kid, you know, with these like big dreams. And I was like, I'm going to do business consulting. And she's just like, listen, little girl, like you got a family to feed. Let's be realistic. Go work another 20 years in C-suite. And then you'll be a consultant like me. I think she was really trying to do me a favor. I don't think she was trying to hurt me. Because again, she believed in me enough to send me out on interviews. Yep. She put her name behind me. Yep. Um, but, but I was devastated. <laughs> I was destroyed. Yeah. Um, but I'm the kind of person when you push me against a wall, I climb. A lot of people would be like, well, there's my, there's my proof. There's my validation that the fear that I already have um, is true. Somebody I look up to said this to me and we stop there. I would say the majority of people completely stop there and never try. Um, how do we move past that? How did you kind of use that as fuel as opposed to like watering down your fire? Two things. One was I'm a very risk averse person in general. Mm-hmm. So I went from my dream in an even more secure way. Like mm. I started doing, I didn't go for it. I did it as a side gig while I took two other jobs. So part oh. of what I did is I hedged my bets with it. I was like, okay, you know what? She might be right. Fine. I'm going to be super cautious. I took two other jobs. I worked for a business brokerage company and I worked for the Mobile Marketing Association, which is a multinational trade association, mm-hmm. which was both, both amazing experiences to take me to the, what I do now. Um, and I said, let me, let me try. Let me try it on the side. That was one piece. And the other piece was, I feel like I've lived so much of my life with people telling me that I won't be able to get what I want, do what I want. And for me, it has the opposite effect. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show you. Yeah. I'm going to show you. Yeah. Because I'm going to do what I want. And then I'm going to go in front of you and I'm going to go, told you so. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Now you were, you, you did do it. Like, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, like two years later, you know, you're having like this ball in business. How are you able to grow so fast? Six figures. Yeah. So we did grow to six figures in under two years of zero in ad spend. I've managed to do that about three times now. Um, I had to rebuild the business three times. I built it there. I built it when I moved. I built it after I was very, very sick in my last pregnancy. And each time, like, I started from scratch again. It's so much fun. I practice everything I preach, right? We drink our own water in the company. And part of what I teach is organic marketing. Yep. And it's, using your strengths. So I say that every person has a swan strength that can catch their bees. Okay. So a swan, a swan strength okay. that can catch their bees. Okay. And I use my swan strength. So swan stands for S W O N mm. speaking, writing one-on-one and networking. Every human right, wants to start a service business product is a little different, but not radically. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone who wants to start a service business can leverage one of these four strengths to get their clients. And so my strengths were speaking and networking. Mm -hmm. And that was what I did. I just, I went and I hustled. I spoke to every person I could. I spoke, I actually tried my first workshop I tried to launch. Um, I only got two signups. And was it for marketing consulting? It was. So I, most of what we do is marketing, but it's the business consultancy. So at the very out of the gates, it was business consulting. Out of the gates, it was business consulting. And because I think my background's in marketing and that's my most natural strength, yeah. always 50 to 70% of what we've done, me as an individual and as a company has been more in marketing, sure. but it's, it's marketing blended with business. It's not marketing okay. agency. Okay. So there's always okay. a lot of business in it. And we've also done a lot of um, business systems and operations, scaling, strategy, financial, all that stuff. Um, 
So I just, I put it out there. We got two people and I realized I can't do my own thing. I have to piggyback. So when you're speaking, you want to piggyback on other organizations. I spoke for free only in the first year, you know, but every time I spoke, I got clients. So it wasn't, it wasn't really free. I actually got paid much better than had they paid me. And I went networking, right? And I looked for value exchanges, right? So I did at one point advertise, but I never paid for it. Mm. I helped guide the advertising magazine that put my ads out and got free ad space. So everyone's got value that they can trade, right? You can get anything if you're flexible, if you're able to make the deal. So for a writer, right, people think they should, they're writers, they should write a blog. No, no one's going to find your blog. I'm sorry. This is not 2002. Okay. That's my quote for this. <laughs> no one's going to find your blog. Like it's 2002 was a while ago. Okay. In 2002, my house was only worth like $200,000. Yeah. No, like, yeah. Things have changed. Okay. Yeah. You want to write for the publications that your audience is reading. The writer and one-on-one is leveraging your network. One-on-ones are the most lost. They're like, but I can't speak and I can't write and I can't go to events. And they're just like, I can't do this. But every one-on-one person has deep connections with people. Absolutely. They have ambassadors. Yep. They have people who can connect them to clients, who can connect them to resources, who might themselves be big tent personalities, as I like to call them, right? The kind of people who, you know, erect the big tent, stand under it, fill up the space. Those people might be able to promote them. So the one-on-ones need to use that leverage and that network and that close connection that they have. And they use those swan strengths. Everyone has at least one. Most people have more than one to get their bees. The bees are the target audience, body, eyes, and ears. Before we go into that, you mentioned that you have two strengths. Uh, Do you recommend... uh like leaning into all your strengths or do you just have like a limit? Because I know sometimes you can be like, Oh, I'm good at all that. I can do all these. I can do one. one. I can do lean into one the most. Lean into your strongest the most. And then where the other ones, like for me, I use the networking to get the speaking opportunities. You know, like speaking was my strongest strength. Yeah. Um, Had I been also one-on-one, I'm not such a one-on-one person. I have a few very, very close friends, um, but it's not... I'm not a DMC person. Like yeah. I'm not, I can know yeah. some people who are on the phone every night chatting to their friends. I like, I'll call a friend after three months. Like, Hey, okay. Yeah. Let's talk for five hours to catch up. Um, yeah. so I could have used a one-on-one strength to get speaking opportunities. If that was my strength right. or right. my writing strength, I've written really good, compelling emails to get speaking. If that was my right. primary, right. you know, that or you could use networking to get writing. So you can combine them, but I would lean in. What is, I would find your primary, find your primary and lean on that. People don't realize, and especially multi-talented people, and I've seen this so much, I've seen it with myself as well, the more multi-talented you are, the more spread out you are. And it's like, you know, an incandescent light bulb versus a laser beam. That's true. You're gonna gonna have a lot more power with Mm -hmm. a laser beam. Mm -hmm. So the more you can focus on one strength, the more you'll hone that skill, the more you'll learn and the better you'll be. That's good. Not bees. What are these? Uh, not the bees. Bees are the audience. So that's the getting in front of the body, eyes, and ears of your people. Oh, okay. right? So this is foundational okay. marketing. Where are your people? I have, uh, I'm going to try not to land, but I have seen so many people waste so much money doing things that if they thought about it for five minutes in this direction, they would have never even tried. Right? People, I had a guy once call me. I can't make this stuff up. Okay. I had a guy once call me. They do continuing education for geriatrics. Okay. And he called me up and he said, Esty, I know if I just had social media, I'd be perfect. I'm like, hmm. Okay. One more time. So are you targeting the children or grandchildren of the geriatrics to get grandpa into the classes? 
He's like, no. I said, are you targeting assisted living facilities to do education classes in the facility? He said, no, we are targeting specifically yeah. geriatrics who yeah. are still independently living on their own. And so I was like, do you think they're on social media? He's like, I don't know. I'm not. Got it. Okay. You are going to make flyers. You're going to post in the local pizza stores and community centers. You're not going to go on social media and you're not going to pay me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Glad we had this conversation. Yeah. People don't think, where are your people? Where are their bodies? Where are they physically? How can you get in front of them? What are they looking at? Where are their eyes? How can you get in front of their eyes? What are they listening to and who are they listening to? So not just, let's say, podcasts or, or radio, um, but who are the referral mm. parties that mm. have their ear in this industry? Yeah, yeah. Why is clarity so hard with all this though? Because this seems pretty simple, but like actually clarifying what all that is, is it's not easy. No, the clarity is the tough part. That's our specialty. The clarity is the tough part, but that's, we do strategic marketing strategy. That was so doubled. Um, we do, I was trying to say strategic planning and marketing strategy at the same time and they came together. Um, but that's, that's why we do what we do. Because once you have clarity and direction, it's not that hard. It doesn't need to cost a lot of money. It doesn't need to cost any money. When you don't know what you're doing, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall. You're losing a ton of money just because you don't know. It's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's a, what's a reoccurring theme that you're seeing in some of these marketing plans that people think works and is a great idea that it isn't? Uh, one of the biggest ones I see is what people like to call a multi-platform social media strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, where what they do is they take a company or an agency and most of these companies you or individuals, social mm -hmm. media guides mm -hmm. are typically experts at one platform. Yeah. But all of the businesses want to be on all the platforms because it makes right. them feel right. good. Right. And so they spend a whole bunch of money. And what these companies or individuals will do is they'll take the same piece of content that was designed essentially for one platform and then just spray it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And social media is like a party. Okay. Mm -hmm. You got to go and show up at the party appropriately yep. attired for yeah. that party, speaking yeah. the way people at that party speak. And every platform is a different kind of party. Yeah. So if you design, let's say you get all dressed up for a wedding and you're mm -hmm. like, you know, let me just pop into that kid's birthday party, networking event and the funeral. Mm -hmm. You're awkward. Everyone's mm -hmm. ignoring you. They're looking at you weird. You're getting no yeah. engagement. You're wasting a ton of time, energy, money. Almost everyone that comes into my world comes mm -hmm. in with some version of this. And the second I explain to them, like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. That's why this didn't work and that didn't work and that didn't work. And that's why this did work. And oh my gosh, this is the party that I always go to. Wait, so Esty, should I stop paying someone to post things on my business profile? I'm like, yes, you should stop paying someone to do that. Okay. Good. Now. You're so funny. I love your passion. It's amazing. What about if I were to strip all away all social media, like all of it, you didn't have that as an option. What would be one of your favorite like marketing tools? Something maybe a little old school. Uh, old school. Uh, again, depends on your swan strength, right? Right. So, and this is part of where I think my out of the boxness differs. I think there are so many paths to success, mm -hmm. and every path for every person is different. And most people are like, "I found the path. I found the key. You follow my path, you're going to win." I'm like, "No, you're not me." You can follow my path, even if you're in the same exact industry, find yeah. yours. So, um, I think let's say, let's, let's be super old school, even for all of the strengths, human interaction. <gasps> Shock. Yeah. Just, just talking to people, meeting people. And again, if you're not, um, super outgoing, going through your intimate network to meet new people, but interacting with humans, 
doing quote unquote marketing research, yeah. right? Which you don't yeah. need to hire a company for 10K to give you a 30 page report. You Fine. need to speak to the people you want to sell to and ask them, Hey, there's something you want to buy. Yeah. What would you want to pay for it? Is this something you would buy if I priced it like this? Okay. So what if I price it like this? Will you buy it now? Oh no, no, I wouldn't buy. It. Okay. So you weren't being honest with me. Let's have a real conversation. Conversations. Yeah. are so lacking human interaction and you learn so much from it. And without it, you know, I had to stop taking sales calls for the company about a year ago. It just got completely out of hand. Um, but I started taking them again a few months ago, just a handful of them because I realized I was losing touch with the audience. Mm. I need to speak to the people I'm, I'm serving to know what they want. Wow. That's good. And you mentioned something at the very beginning, which I thought was interesting. Um, you talked about your deep want to make an impact in this world and make a difference. And what I love about this story is you didn't stay in the nonprofit space. You went into a, a business and built a very profitable business in a short amount of time. And you seem like you're really happy and you're passionate about what you do. And I would just love for you to speak to maybe just the fulfillment piece of uh, making your business profitable because as um, unconventional leaders, we're very heart-centered, mission-driven people. And I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about this hesitancy or guilt to build profitable businesses because they want to just make a difference in the world and it doesn't matter. Uh, I know you are profitable and you care deeply about making an impact. How do you see those two married together? So it, I think it honestly took me time. Like when I first left my job, I honestly considered making my business a nonprofit, but I have a very strong aversion to fundraising. I don't like asking people for money if I'm not providing something directly of value. And again, I've worked with many, many nonprofits. The value sometimes is just the ability to contribute to a yeah. beautiful cause. And I totally get that. But my, it, it's hard for me personally. And so I really sat on it. Will I make this, this business a nonprofit? And in the beginning, I realized I couldn't do it from a fundraising perspective. So the way I kind of tricked myself into it, I was like, okay, you know what, Esty? It's just like a nonprofit. You're going to just take a salary, right? And you're going to charge whatever you need just to earn your living, right? And that was really how I started. I started like tricking myself in my head. It's a for-profit nonprofit, right? Yeah. <laughs> it pays my salary. It pays the bills. It helps people. What's the difference? What's the difference? Um, and then... I think I have my own struggle with like accepting like money's not bad. Mm. Money actually can do some really cool things. Mm. <laughs> like it doesn't. And uh, also a nonprofit is still a not-for-profit business. People always leave off the last word, right? They're like, there's a business and a nonprofit. No, there's a for-profit business and a not-for-profit business. Those are the full terminology of these entities. And they both have the same two things. Okay. They both have money and services. Yeah. So a business does services in order to earn money or provides goods, right? Whatever it is. Um, business provides goods and services in order to earn money. A nonprofit brings in money in order to provide goods and services. But for both of them, you need the goods and services you're providing and the money. Yeah. And it's just which direction do you put it in? And when people ignore the money piece, they fail again yeah. and again and again. It doesn't have to be about the money in order to run a profitable enterprise. Yeah. I actually worked um, a client that I worked with. We, it was like client almost partner. Like a, it was like a, a rev share kind of deal. I, I got very involved and we were helping nonprofits become sustainable, self-sustaining. It was my dream to help create self-sustaining nonprofits with that same concept that you can provide to the world so much better 
We don't need to walk around begging for money. Figure out how to balance this thing. You know, I, I consider myself so lucky and so blessed. I have seen a bunch of organizations try to pop up and help businesses. They go, they spark, they die. They go, they spark, they die. I'm going over 10 years. Yep. I'm going over 10 years because I've been able to sustain it. Yep. yep. I had an issue with money until I started a nonprofit about seven years ago. And then when I started fundraising, I was like, oh, <laughs> I have been terribly wrong. Terribly, terribly wrong. Uh, listen, I have one final question for you. But first of all, I want to thank you so much for being generous with your time, uh, your expertise, the awesome work that you're putting out in the world, the example that you're setting. We even talk about you being a mother of five and killing it in business. I think that's so amazing. Uh, Essie, where can people connect with you online and uh, what, what do you have to plug them into if they want to work with you? Sure. So I, again, I'm addicted to providing value. So the best place to find me is to go get a free gift. Um, if you go to sdram.com slash free gift, um, you will get access. I have a five-day marketing success challenge and it is free um, for now. If that changes by sdram.com slash free gift, it's E-S-T-I-E randcom slash free gift. There'll always be something there. But at the moment, the time of this recording, it's a five-day marketing success challenge. And I day three goes deeper into the swan strength and how to get your bees. Um, day one talks about how to find that core value, that uniqueness you bring to the world. Yeah. Day two is how you find that ideal audience that you really, that's going to be obsessed with you. Day three, I just told you. Day four goes deep into social media and how you choose your party and which party you should be choosing and then what you should do there. And then day five gives you the ultimate sales pitch, whether verbal or written, how to sell to anybody. So it's a really cool thing. Awesome. Awesome. All of that will be linked in the show notes. Very last question. Let's say we were to go back in time to this SD who had just left her job. She was like, screw y'all. I don't like this boss person. And here you are. You're like, well, maybe I just won't work. Um, and you just finished all the house chores and you did all your projects and you're a couple weeks in and you're getting so frustrated and you have this idea, this thought, well, maybe, well, maybe I could actually pursue this, but you hadn't built this six figure business in under two years over and over again and hadn't seen the success. You had no one who necessarily believed in you right now. Um, if you were to go and sit with that young woman and tell her one thing that you know deeply now that she did not understand back then, what would that be? That's such a great question. Give me a second. I would tell her there is nothing that you put your mind to that you can't do. You make the decision that you want this. It will happen. It won't be a straight road. You can't give up. But I'm telling you as Esty from the future that anything you put your mind to, you will achieve. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved her energy. It was next level. One of the things that I pulled away from this that I absolutely loved is that there are many paths to success. Let me say that again for the people in the back. There are many paths to success. You do not have to fit inside a box cookie cutter way of doing things. Lean into what feels right and authentic to you and listen to your instincts. They're probably pointing you in the right way. Make sure you grab SD's five-day marketing success challenge at sdran.com forward slash free gift. And before we go, let's TikTok together. If you're not following me on TikTok, all you got to do is search Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. Let's have some fun over there. Would love to connect with you again on TikTok. That is at Heather Parody. Love you guys. I'm in your corner and I'll see you in our next episode.